Hey, you're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about Upper Room, please visit URDallas.com. I'm just so, 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 so uh, expected this morning, and I'm extremely raw uh, just in worship. It's just a real tender spot the Lord uh, took me to, and, um, and I want to stay in that place. I want to just try to, try, to, try to speak to you from that place um, personally. Um, I, I got an email this week, um, and I've gotten some texts and just people asking about preaching flow and schedule, uh, just because sometimes you, you show up and you don't know who's going to lead worship, and oftentimes you don't know who's going to preach. And, uh, and we don't apologize for that. Like we, 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 uh, we have a number of voices, a number of worship leaders. Like Our, our bench is deep at the upper room. <laughs> And, uh, and thank God for that, but we, we really want to set, set a table for the Lord, and we want you to gather not because you're, you're coming for any other reason, but, but he's at the center, and the voices and people and things that you're going to share, like we're all in a relationship with them, and, um, but, so, so we, know, we know who's speaking to you. Um, it's not just randos that we're pointing out of the crowd, you know, like today's the day, but someone texted me, and they're just like, hey, I, I really... I really uh, I haven't been preaching as much the last couple of weeks. And, and, and so one, one reason is for that. We're, we're establishing voices and we're getting more of a strategy that I think we're gonna present to you so that you may know um, who's gonna be at what campus and, and that type of thing. But, 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 but quite frankly, another reason that I haven't been sharing a lot is just because of where my heart's been. My heart's just been in a real raw place before the Lord, um, especially, especially the last month. And, and the reason why it's been in that place is, is I'm reflecting back on 2018 and I don't know about you, but for me, 2018 has been a rough year. Like, like it's just been rough. We, 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 we've experienced a ton of like external blessings. Like if you look on paper and you're like, this is where the upper room is and this is what you're going to be doing. It would be like all the boxes are checked and like, oh my God, that was one heck of a year, bro. You know, like, like when you just take the measurables that we don't typically focus on, um, but, but, but they're the fruit of what the Lord's doing and we celebrate them. But, but personally, I look back and, and, uh, and there's just been a lot of transition in my life. There's been a lot of transitions uh, relationally. Uh, some of my best of best friends transitioned to um, Georgia that we celebrated them going forth and being reassigned. Uh, but that was really, really, really a challenge for me and my family, and, and, and I know many of you with the Maldens. Um, there's been some other transitions staff-wise, just, just people that are so, so near and dear. Uh, to me, we never intended on like being on church staff together. It's just the way the Lord orchestrated things, and then reassignment comes. And so you, you grieve that transition. You grieve it. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It's just change is inevitable, Yes. And I heard this quote this week. I heard this quote. It's just, it's, it's really hit my heart. It said, change is inevitable, but progress is optional. And I've just been thinking about in the midst of, in the midst of 2018 and a lot of transition and a lot of change that is inevitable, um, just, just how my heart's progressed, how my heart's grown, how, how my relationships have grown, and how my relationships have progressed. Even, even uh, when I think of 2018, I don't know if there's a week that's gone by that I, I'm just still, I'm still in deep grief over uh, the loss of Terry Lindsay. Um, I, I haven't moved on. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know if I ever will. There's a place in my heart that's just, that's just, it's just hurting. If you don't know who Terry was, Terry, Terry was an elder and a father in our community that we, uh, 
we, 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 we just suddenly lost. Um, father of seven and a father to so many in this room. But, but when I reflect upon 2018, like, like 2018 will be remembered for that. His legacy, his life, his impact upon us. I know if you know Terry and were impacted by that, raise your hand. Just a lot of us were. And so I know we have so many new faces even in the last couple of months, but it was just, we were a house of mourning for a while. And so, uh, so I want to process my process with you and specifically a tool that I feel like the Lord has given me. And it's, it's something that I just keep talking about uh, over and over and over because I've used it in this season. And I feel like the Lord, the Lord's met me um, in a real, in a real intimate, in an intimate, like profound way that, that this even, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to share. I just feel like he's been so faithful through it all. I feel like he's been so near through it all. I feel like he, he's cared so intimately and deeply through it all. And I don't know where you are this morning, but whatever you're going through, like Jesus sees you and Jesus cares for you. His mercies are so tender. His affections are raw and real towards you. He has real emotions. He has real affections. He has real desires, real pleasures. He has a real will. And man, he sees you this morning. He sees exactly what you woke up to. He knows it and he's ready to move. He's ready to orchestrate what only he can in relationship with you, in relationship with him touching your heart and, 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 and be, being a part of the process of the pain and the hurt and whatever you're going through, Jesus is right in the middle of it. He's not like hoping you get through it and honor him. He wants you to honor him by inviting him into it so that, so that he can shepherd you and meet you in ways that only he can. Like, it's really real. It's not like, I know we're in Dallas, Texas, and this is like plastic Christianity's rampant and like consumeristic meetings like this. And this just isn't that. This is raw. This is honest. This is, man, I'm not gonna, it's just, it is what it is. We're family. And I want you to know if you're here and you're here for the first time and you come every time or you haven't been here in a long time, I want you to know that we haven't changed and like Jesus hasn't changed and Jesus' affections, his desires, like he sees you and he knows where you're at and he wants to encounter your heart this morning. He wants to impart fresh faith into your life. He wants to speak itemized words to you for what you're facing. Like it, it, it's so, it's so real. It's so like raw and true that no matter how many times you've heard it, we need our hearts to awaken to that reality over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Outwardly, you're wasting away, yet inwardly, you need to be renewed day by day by day by day by day. And if you miss a day, like watch out because there's things that can happen to your heart and processes that your heart can enter into. And that's what the funk and the yuck shows up. And I don't want you to be funky or yucky when you come. Like I want you to be whole, vibrant, no matter what you're facing, that your heart's on top of it because you're seated in heavenly places with Jesus, the affectionate like lover of your soul. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's for you. And honestly, man, if you're hanging on by a thread, like you just barely got here. You barely showed up today. You barely got the kids in the car. Like, I just want to honor you because you're still in the game and you're still present, but Jesus' grace is sufficient for your weakness. Like, he will perfect 
In your weakness, he will perfect his strength and his power and he wants to manifest so that you can like truly bring an offering of thanks and praise because you know him, you know his nature, you know his power. And I'm looking around the room like as I'm preaching and I know stories of people in the room and you're facing mountains. But all we need is a mustard seed today. That's it. And so I want to help you get your heart in a place where, where that mustard seed can land in the soil of your heart. Because there's one thing that you're responsible for. One thing. One thing you're responsible for before him, and it's your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Like above all else, like guard it for it's the wellspring of life. And, and I want you to keep your heart open and vibrant before him. And so there's a tool that I've learned in this season of like setback, heartache, like twists, turns, frustrations with people. I don't know if you've ever been frustrated with people. All right, I'm not alone. So you get frustrated with people, people you love. You get frustrated with your spouse, someone you really love. Like how to process that. I ain't frustrated with you, baby, I love you. But, but, but we gotta learn like to, to, to it, it's the condition of our heart is so important. This is so, 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 so important. And there's seasons and times for everything. The Bible says it. There's seasons and times for everything. There's seasons and times for everything. The season you're in is not eternal. The season you're in is not forever. The season you're in is just a season. No matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, I want to tell you that it's just a season. What's, what's, what's evident in the natural is evident in the spiritual. Like, like we go through seasons as believers. We go through seasons as followers. And the key is that no matter what season we're in, we posture our hearts before the shepherd of our hearts. That we see him rightly in the midst of all that. Especially if you're in a low season and a hard season. Well, and a high season. Like in all season, we need to be doing this, yay. <laughs> So how's your heart this morning? It needs some help. Good. <laughs> I love that. I ain't going to look where I heard it, but thank you. <laughs> Honesty. It's good, man. It's good. It's good. Uh, so, so there's a tool I've been using, and it's a tool like, it's a tool I've actually talked about. Um, but but I'm, I'm convinced that walking with Jesus is simple. And if it's complicated, I was going to bring you back to the simplicity. Uh, man, you, 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 you start to get in the conversation of, of people and what, what's swirling around Jesus right now. It's just murky and weird. Like the conversations that people are inserting him into and and... and Larissa's been hitting that pretty, pretty heavily. Um, just about, yeah, where you're feeding from. And I want you to feed from his hand. I want you to feed from the Lord. Like I, Jesus, period. There's a lot of Jesus and right now. And, and, and that's not going to help your heart. What's going to help your heart is Jesus, period. That Jesus, Jesus, period, is enough for you. 
Like not Jesus and a blogger talking about Jesus, not Jesus and a podcast talking about Jesus, not Jesus and even me talking about Jesus. Like I should serve your heart so that you are being fed by him. And that's the key to having a vibrant heart is that your heart is regularly, continually being impacted by his presence, by his nearness, by his word, by his spirit, by the things that he's given us to impact our heart. But what I'm afraid is happening, especially with some young people, is that you're settling for Jesus and a whole bunch of other things. He's being, he's being lumped into like the political climate. He's being lumped into all these causes, even social justice causes. We're using Jesus as a pawn or utility and he's not like the Lord of our heart and the caretaker of our heart. He's not supreme like the end all be all. It's Jesus, Jesus period. We need to go back, come back to Jesus and Jesus period. We need to, and when you're listening to someone, I just wanna hit this because Larissa's been hitting it, but when you're listening to someone, listen for his name. Listen that people know him and they're connected to him and they're, they're exalting his supremacy and his lordship. They're talking about his nature. They're talking about his character, but they're not talking about the cosmos and just this, this lumping him into all this other stuff. It's messy out there and I, as your pastor, wanna warn you. And I feel like I'm talking to hearts today and getting your heart established and right before him, but Jesus, period, is what your heart needs. Jesus, period. Period. Not Jesus and Oprah. Not Jesus and, and I'm, I love Oprah. Like I'm not bashing Oprah. I'm like Jesus. Period. Not Jesus and Michael Miller. Not Jesus and like use guys like me and others that serve that 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 voice in your life where He's speaking to you and feeding your heart. Like it's just so crucial where we're heading that you know Him. That your lamp is. So change is inevitable, but progress is optional. Let's progress. Let's move from glory to glory. Let's use whatever's happening in your life to thrust you in a new place before the Lord. Use it, whatever it is. And I wanna, I wanna show you how to do that. So I was just thinking about, about seasons and uh, there's a, there's a ser- uh, that is a sermon that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter three, but he talks about these times and seasons. He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter and a time to gather, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. He's talking about the seasons that we go through. He's talking about things that happen in your life. He's talking about the change that is inevitable. Hear me. But what I want to talk about this morning, specifically for your heart, is the posture of gratitude. And the posture that Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said to give thanks in all circumstances. 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in all that I just listed, no matter what season you find yourself in, there's this way that you can posture yourself before the Lord in thanksgiving. And I've learned in my heart, specifically in this season, the power of thanksgiving. And I've, I mean, I thought I knew it. I've, we, we talk a lot about thanksgiving. This isn't the first time uh, we've talked about it. We, 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 it's regular that we do it. It's daily. It's morning, noon, and night. We're entering in with thanksgiving. But the power of thanksgiving, it's this little, little, little hinge and activity that swings wide your heart before the Lord. And, 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 and when, when our heart is open before the Lord, we receive things from the Lord that only he can give. Like we can receive life, we can receive grace, we can receive empowerment, we can receive words from him, we can receive from him when we're entering his presence rightly and thanksgiving is the key that unlocks that door. Thanksgiving is so crucial for us. And I, I, I just, man, give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're speaking to us because I want us to use uh, the Eucharist. I want to use today the, the, the bread and blood of the Lord, the, the bread and wine. Do, you, do y'all have your Eucharist right here? So we're going to end taking this. Can anyone lift it? You got it? Is it? Okay, it's everywhere. Good. So I, don't open it yet. Don't open it yet because you're going to be holding it for a while. But I want to use this Eucharist. It's, it means to give thanks. A lot of people call this the Eucharist and it's because in the evening, when Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. And I wanna use this as a weapon or a tool for intercession, and I wanna use it as a weapon and tool for our hearts to open up before the Lord, and he's gonna feed us true food and true drink today. We're gonna eat his bread, we're gonna eat his body, and we're gonna drink his blood, and it's gonna transform our heart. I want, I want to increase your faith as to what these elements represent, and I think it's the answer. I think this table is always the answer, and we approach this table with thanksgiving, and we find what we need at this table, okay? It's the center of why we gather. We need to take it more as a community. I grew up in a tradition. It was the reason why we gathered was to take communion. I remember vacation. We went to LA. I remember us going to Disneyland. I was like seven. I was so pumped to go to Disneyland, but it it was Sunday morning. And my father is driving around Disneyland, not going through the gates of Walt Disney, he's looking for a church. And the reason he was looking for a church is because on Sundays, the Millers gather around the table. And we ended up finding a church. There was a church of Christ. We drive in, and there's the elder here. We shake the elder's hand. They take us to the kitchen. And we took communion as a family, and then we went to Disneyland. (laughs) Those are my memories. Like, if it was Sunday, the Millers, we were figuring out a way to take communion. If there wasn't a church, my dad's making something up that became Jesus's body and the blood, all right? Like milkshakes and hamburgers. We did it. But, but this was so central to my upbringing and it was so central to why we gather. And I wanna place this at the center of our gathering today, that the blood and the body, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus is what makes us family. It's what brings us together. It's our common, like, it's our common connection that the Holy Spirit points us to is that we feast on this meal and this meal is our sustenance and it's our life. But the, 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 the liturgical communities call it the Eucharist and it's the Greek word for giving thanks. And we approach this table with thanksgiving because of what he has accomplished today. Following me? Yeah. And so the power of thanksgiving, it's just, 
Gratitude and latitude, that's what I felt like the Lord said, that, that, that gratitude changes your latitude. Now, latitude means this. Latitude means freedom from narrow restrictions. So if you're, if you're restricted and things are narrow, gratitude will take you above that so you can see it differently. And, and gratitude actually, actually takes us into another dimension or another realm. There's a realm, there's a heavenly realm that's real and true. And like there's a lot of talk about going into heaven and people having heavenly encounters. And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't wanna speak to that, but I do wanna speak that you have access to that throne and I know the way to enter in, the way you enter in is with thanksgiving. Psalms 103, 100 verse three, it says to enter. Everyone say enter. You enter his gates. Gates are external perimeters. You enter the gate with thanksgiving in your heart, courts with praise, and then you bless his name. And that's, that's like worship. We're gonna talk about this in the new year, but entering his gates with thanksgiving. That's what I wanted you to see. In Psalms 95, verse two, it says, let us come before him. Everyone say, come before him. Let us come before his presence. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. The presence of Jesus is the answer and we come before the presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. Gratitude changes your latitude. Gratitude breaks open the restricted confined spaces and it liberates your hearts to receive what only you can from the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. It is so vital, so crucial that when we willfully position our hearts in the place of thanksgiving and honor for who he is, for what he's done, the presence of God meets our hearts in that place. And when the presence of the Lord meets your heart in that place, things begin to awaken, things begin to shift, things begin to, to come alive and the eyes of your heart open up. Thanksgiving is like salve to your heart's eyes so that you can begin to see the Lord rightly in light of what you're going through. Thanksgiving is a weapon. Thanksgiving is not a holiday. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. Thanksgiving is something that we need to be violently approaching. I'm going to learn to continually, I'm going to learn to daily, I'm going to learn to walk in thanksgiving no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what they've done. I am going to honor him through this by thanking him, knowing that he will lead me. Like, it, it, uh, I don't feel like giving thanks. I know. We're a house of prayer. We do it morning, noon, and night. We have, we have a, maybe a couple of hundred people that are helping serve and lead out in that. It happens on this stage. We stream it online. There's thousands of people that are tuning in, watching this prayer room, and every single one of them should, I'm pretty certain they do, but every single one of them should start with them strumming a guitar and giving thanks. Why is that? Because we don't show up empty-handed before the Lord. Listen, if you want to receive in the kingdom, the key to receiving, the key to receiving, the key to receiving, the key to receiving is giving. To give is to posture your heart to receive. And when we're continually showing up with something to offer the Lord regularly, continually, our hearts are postured in that place, they're they're postured to receive from him. It's like soil. It keeps the heart, soil, soft before the Lord. 
It keeps it presented in that place that the presence of the Lord keeps it soft so that today when you hear his voice, you don't harden your heart. It's soft, it's tender. But what happened in Romans chapter one? We've talked about this, but it's worth repeating. In Romans chapter one, big, big scripture. It's the hinge that did not, it did not, it did not open the door of the people's hearts. It stayed closed. And in Romans chapter one, verse, can you put Romans 1.20? It says, they knew God. Since creation of the world, they, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood, what has been made, so they are without excuse. Verse 21. This is so powerful. For even though they knew God, they didn't do two things. They did not honor him or give him thanks. Everyone say honor, honor. or give him thanks. Say give thanks. So they didn't honor him or give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Go back. So it says their foolish hearts were darkened. Why were their hearts darkened? Their hearts were darkened because they remained closed. See that. A dark heart is a closed heart. Remember, Thanksgiving is a hinge. What's it a hinge for? It's a hinge to swing open your heart before the Lord. Now, I don't know why these people, although they knew God. Look at that. It says they know God. How many of you know God? Okay, it says they knew him. Now, I don't know why they knew him. Maybe they knew him like you know him. I don't know. But they knew God. They knew who he was. And for some reason, they didn't respond rightly to him. I don't know if they got offended. I don't know if they got bored. I don't know if they like, they moved past the Thanksgiving in honor class and started to get into deeper things. I don't know what happened, but I know that they stopped doing this activity even though they knew him. Even though they were connected to him, even though they had a history with him. Even somehow, they, they, I don't know if they have scriptures. I don't know what they knew, but I know they stopped honoring him and giving him thanks. And it closed their heart off. Their hearts became foolish and their hearts became darkened. And they didn't just like slightly get darkened. It wasn't just this minor thing where they, they stumbled and came back around. These people ended up rebellious. They ended up filled with sin and corrupted and everything that's wrong with the world ensues from this place. Everything, here's a list of it. You have the list? I don't know if I told you about the list, Johnny. I'll read the list. It says they became futile in mind, foolish in heart, lust consumed them. Their bodies were dishonored. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped the creator instead of the creator. They got twisted, passions and desires, homosexuality, full of every kind of wickedness, greed, hate, murder, envy, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip, backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invented new ways of sinning. That one gets me, man. And like Paul, just like the overarching one. They just invented new ways of sinning. If I didn't list it, put it under that one. Disobey their parents, refuse to understand, break their promises, heartless, and they have no mercy. But you see that thanksgiving and honor were directly related to the closed off darkness that would ensue in their hearts. It's because they didn't honor and give him thanks. This is a powerful revelation. This is not a small revelation. This is not just like in the, in the, in the realm of truths, there's things that are more true than others. There's truths that hang on truths. This is a high truth. <laughs> this is like a big one. Don't know the will of God, start here. Start with honoring him and giving him thanks. Like to me, if there's these things present in your life, let's just take pornography for example. Lust consumed them. If you're being consumed by lust in this room, 
Let's say last night you looked at pornography. Very well could have. Statistically, a number of you looked at pornography last night. Statistically. Not saying, not saying that happened. Statistically, could be true. Let's just say that someone showed up and thank God that you're in this room. Again, you're in the fight. Again, Jesus sees exactly where you're at, but that's not his will for you. That's foolishness and it's darkness inside your heart and your life. And the light of God wants to expose that. So listen, instead of you gritting your teeth, telling yourself you're not going to do it again, the key is to position your heart in the place of thanksgiving for the mercy and forgiveness that's available to you and that the blood that's been sacrificed was sacrificed so that you could be liberated from that false, like perspective of your sexuality and these, these weird twisted desires and the perversion and there's a demonic spirit behind it and, and, and the thing is is that Thanksgiving breaks through all that stuff. Thanksgiving disarms hell. Thanksgiving disarms the darkness of hell and it postures yourself in Thanksgiving. You begin to honor God for who he is. You begin to honor God for what he's done and it positions your heart to actually receive from him the things that you need to break that cycle. I have a good friend that, that, that like, I, he, would, he would struggle with pornography and right after he would struggle with it, he would fall before the Lord and give thanks that he was forgiven. And that reality, that may seem like, like weird, but that reality of him forcing that struggle before the throne, it broke the cycle because he knew that he wasn't condemned by his actions. He was freed by the action of Jesus. And because Jesus loved him and became a pornographer, it broke that cycle off of his life. That's the power of Thanksgiving. It's, it's like forcing your reality into his reality, forcing your heart into that place. It's the littlest hinge, but man, your life can be transformed. Your marriage can be transformed. Like Thanksgiving and honor go hand in hand. Listen, if you dishonor something, you're not thankful for it. If you think about a spouse, I watch spouses, they, they, man, they get embittered and angry and then whoosh, they split. At some point, they stopped giving thanks for the other and dishonor immediately flowed. So where there's dishonor, what I've learned is I'm going to force my heart into the place of thanksgiving because I don't want to walk in dishonor, especially for people that I love and know. And oftentimes they can do dishonorable things and that makes me want to go, no, that hurt. No, 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 Lord, I give you thanks that they're imperfect, but you're perfect. I give you thanks, Lord, that your love covers a multitude of sins. I give you thanks, Lord Jesus, that they're born again, that they know. And when I start to posture my heart and give thanks for that person, it keeps the flow of honor between the two of us. It opens the door. I'm blown away by this revelation in Revelation chapter four. Uh, verse 19, it, 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 John says there was a door in heaven standing open. He went into heaven and he describes what he saw. I think Revelation 4 is one of the most profound texts, profound. But in Revelation chapter four, he talks about what's going around the throne. And look at this. In Revelation, it says that the four living creatures are yelling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, 24 elders. How about Revelation 4, 8? Go to eight real quick. So the four living creatures, these guys, one day we're gonna see them, it's gonna be amazing. Each one of them having six wings full of eyes around within the day and night. They don't start seeing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So they're responding to the one that they're seeing. But look at John's description of what they're doing in verse nine. It says, and when the four living creatures give glory, what are those next two words? Honor. 
What did they not do on the earth? They didn't give honor and thanks. But in heaven, you need to know because they're rightly responding to him, they're continually giving honor and they're continuing giving thanks. That's good news. It's the key to an open heaven. Jesus and what he's done and keeping that before us. So I wanna give you, I just wanna give you five situations that I feel like is happening in the room that we're gonna take communion. Five situations where Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was used as a weapon that brought deliverance, brought freedom to, to a lot of stories that you're, you're used to hearing, but you may not see that this was the hinge that changed everything. You ready? Jonah, number one. We know the story of Jonah. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, re- preach a sermon. He got scared. He ran, got on a boat, storm hit the boat. They threw him off and a big old fish ate him. He was in the belly of a fish, a real fish. I've listened to hearing people like say that these are fictional stories. It's a real story, a real man got on a real boat, was thrown into a real ocean and a real fish swallowed him up. They, not fit into your, your head. Thank God it doesn't. Your head is not, never mind, I ain't gonna go there. But listen, Jonah was in a real fish. He was in a real fish. A real, real man and a real, real fish. It smelled stinky. Just think about it. Like fish are gross on the outside. Yuck. I mean, he's in there, right? It's dark, you got no flashlight. He got no survival kit. I mean, he's alone. I bet he's naked. I bet he's just like, I'm gonna die. That is his thought. I am going to die in a fish because I disobeyed God. So I don't know if you're in a pit that maybe you got yourself into this morning. You got yourself into the pit. You ran from God. You found yourself on a ship. You got thrown into a sea. You were drowning and now you're in a pit and a hole. What do you do? That's true of some of you in this room. You've screwed things up royally. And it's your fault. You knew what to do. You heard the voice of God. You did. And you're just kind of dragging yourself through, hoping you'll get on top of it. But you can't because you're in a belly of a fish. You can't get yourself out of the place that you see yourself in. So what do you do? Honestly, what are you going to do? Let's look at what Jonah did. Jonah prays from the belly of a well. I'm gonna read his prayer. Jonah chapter two, verse one. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the what? Stomach of the fish. Dude. He said, I called out my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I've been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look up again towards your holy temple. If this is you, look up today. Verse five, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Verse six. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever, but you've brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord, my God, verse seven. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Everyone say, remember the Lord. 
I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple, verse eight. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, stop serving other things, and offer sacrifices to him with the voice of what? With the voice of what? With the voice of thanksgiving from a belly of a well where it's dark, he's in Sheol, he looks up to the temple of the Lord and he offers with the voice of thanksgiving a sacrifice. It's a sacrificial offering of thanksgiving, which means he probably didn't want to do it. But he forced his heart into this place of giving thanks to the Lord. That which I vowed I will repay for salvation is from the Lord. He knew that he could only get salvation from one place, so he gave thanks before the Lord, looking up. Salvation is from him. And I don't think this was just a nine-verse prayer. I think this is a summary of what he was experiencing, and he was working his heart into this place. Lord, only you can save me. Only you can deliver me. And I give you thanks for who you are and where you dwell and that I know you. And, and his heart comes alive. And then look at verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish. Then the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah up into the dry land. Some of you are going to get vomited out this morning. Because you're going to find a sacrificial offering of thanksgiving. You're going to give up trying to pry open the fish's mouth and you're going to offer thanksgiving and surrender and stop trying and stop doing but just lay before him and be and declare you are who you are and you will do what only you can do and I give you thanks that's powerful thanksgiving unto deliverance that's number one thanksgiving unto deliverance Number two, thanksgiving unto multiplication. This one you're familiar with, it's John six. The five loaves, two fish. Standing in lack, little boy brings what he has. Jesus takes what he has, he looks up and what does he do? What does he do? He gives thanks, look at this. Jesus took the loaves, having given thanks, he distributed those that were seated, likewise also the fish. And then he also takes the fish, and gives thanks. So I could show you that, that thanksgiving was the key. Again, little hinge opens big door. He's faced with lack, and he brings before the Lord an offering of thanksgiving, which is for the lack, for just what he possesses. Now, that's not what I want to show you, because most of you are familiar with this. What I want to show you is heaven's perspective of this day. I want to show you heaven's perspective of what took place on that day and what the real miracle was. Are you with me? Yes. Because this story is going to continue. So he feeds them, they get their fill, and then, and then he walks on the water. Same day, that night he walks on the water. And John, John is giving an account. So John, the writer of this book, is giving an account through the lens of the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in John's account, in John chapter 6, Verse 22, so he walks on water and then it says the next day, look at this, the next day the crowd stood on the other side of the sea, there were no small boats there except one that Jesus had not entered with the disciples of the boat, but the disciples had gone away, so the disciples are figuring out that Jesus walked across the water and verse 23, look at this, there came other small boats from Tiberias, near 
to the place, everyone say the place, near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So this is a summary of what had taken place the day before. And here's why I wanted to highlight this detail about the Bible. Because the Bible's summing up what took place 24 hours prior. And from the Bible's perspective, it wasn't the place that the Lord multiplied the fish and the bread. Hear me say this. From heaven's perspective, it wasn't the place where Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish. That's what we think happened that day. And from an earthly standpoint, that's the miracle. But from heaven's standpoint, looking down, the miracle is that someone on earth would take their lack and look up to heaven and give thanks for it, knowing, knowing, knowing who they're giving thanks to and knowing what he can do on their behalf. The miracle wasn't the multiplication from heaven's perspective. The miracle is that there was gratitude on the earth in light of the lack. Because heaven stands in all of faith. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. Coming rightly before him in faith, not based upon our feelings, not based upon what we see, but based upon who we know him to be. And that's what Jesus did. He looked up. Oh, with his five loaves and his two fish, even though there were thousands of people. And he said, Father, I thank you that this is sufficient to supply every need that's present. Holy Spirit hits it. Bread and fish start multiplying. That's good news for some of you. You got to be thankful with what you've got. It's a little hinge, big door. Thanksgiving, under multiplication. This one, this one's so good. It's Thanksgiving unto forgiveness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night, so he's referring to the upper room, he's referring to the night that they had communion, which we're about to take. But the night... From Paul's perspective, it's the night in which Jesus was betrayed. So Jesus was betrayed. This is one of his good friends. This is someone that had been following him. This is someone that was entrusted with responsibility, money. This was supposed to be someone that would be loyal and a partner with the Lord. But you need to know that that friend and that partner and that loyal one completely turned on him. And this would lead to the murder. The murder. Jesus knew what was happening. He would be murdered because of the one that betrayed him. And Jesus, that night, in the midst of that betrayal, in the midst of someone doing something that they should not have done, it was unjust, it was not right. Jesus didn't cry out on his social media feed. He didn't. Jesus didn't take it to other people. Jesus didn't like have an ax to grind and start talking to Paul or Peter about Judas. He didn't like go, oh, Judas... Or Peter, do you know what Judas is about to do to me? And all of a sudden this alliance is built within the 12 and then you've got Jesus and Peter knowing what Judas is gonna do and they ostracize Judas and then all of a sudden you have this division among the 12. No, Judas was gonna do what he was gonna do but it was not gonna sway the Lord's hearts and affections before his father. And so Jesus takes the bread in the midst of knowing Judas is about to go forth under the power of the devil himself and betray him and he takes bread breaks it he gives it to his betrayer and he gives thanks to the lord 
Come on, some of you need to think about what's happened to you relationally and you need to take this meal and you need to start feeding your enemies this meal. Oh, you may not physically be able to invite them to the table, but you can come to the table with the Lord and you can see them physically present and give thanks that the Lord's mercy, power, grace is sufficient no matter what your heart's going through because his heart went through worse. Come on, this is powerful for some of us. We need to get delivered of the victim and this is what happened to me. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was about to be slapped and spit upon and crucified because of what his friend did to him. He begins it with giving thanks. It's no small act, it's no small thing. This isn't just some religious, pious offering of thanksgiving. It was Jesus's life source in this moment that he had to give thanks and honor his father for where he was going. Only his father could source him. What do you give thanks for? You give thanks for that. Come on, man. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Get over what you've been through. I'm not making light of it, but you making much of it's making little of what he did on your behalf. And Jesus, man, the cross is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's not lacking. It's the answer. And we've got to come to this table rightly. Bring your pain. Bring your hurt. Bring your frustrations. Bring your betrayals. Bring it to the table, show up at the table and then posture your heart above it and say, Lord, I thank you that you're faithful to me and that you see me and that you know me. Come on, man, this is your answer. This is the key. Oh, but I, my three-year-old can give thanks. I know. It's something anyone can do, but it's so simple that we overlook the magnitude of its power and we just keep our hearts closed off and a day turns into a week and a week turns into months and then before we know it, we're just frustrated and pissed. I said it. There's worse words I could have used. The state of some of your hearts. And man, the Lord wants to open them up. But you give, you give your heart the chance to open up through gratitude, through giving thanks, man. It's a little, little act that opens up a massive, massive door. Thanksgiving, deliverance, multiplication, forgiveness. This is a good one, the next one. I'm going to land it. I got five minutes. I'm aware of the time. Lubies will still be open. We don't have lubies crowd, do we? It's my, my parents' church. They're lubies people. Uh, I love lubies. My wife doesn't, but I do. Uh, Thanksgiving unto life. This is a powerful one. I, I literally have dozens of these that I could share with you. Let's pick my top favorites. These have been feeding my heart. This is John 11. Mary. Martha, they run to Jesus. There's a problem. Their son's dead. I'm sorry, their brother's dead. Um, and, and Jesus weeps. He mourns with them. He's moved. And in John 11, verse 39, look at this. He, it's a collective thing. So he has the community there. It's raising the dead, raising the dead together. Jesus didn't do it alone. Love that. And some of you, Jesus needs to raise things from the dead. There's relation, there's marriages that need to be raised from the dead. There's sons and daughters that are off and they're not born again. They're prodigals. They need to be raised from the dead. There's, I, wanna, I want you to think about like dead things, lifeless things, relationships, people. I want you to think about that. And oftentimes we just erect this biggest stone of offense. 
this big stone of unbelief, this big stone that says, you know what? That's dead. But by faith, the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to stir things up for you to believe again, that Jesus can raise them from the dead. And Jesus tells, Jesus tells the community, he says, remove the stone. Like, it's going to be stinky in there. It is going to be stinky. Lord, by the time they'll be stenched, did dead four days, verse 40. Said there, did I not say to you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Verse 41. So they removed the stone, meaning it was a communal thing. Some of you like coming before community at this table, removing those barriers that you've put up, remove them. And Jesus raised his eyes as the stone was moved and look at what he did. He raised the dead through thanksgiving. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He immediately goes into Thanksgiving. He didn't go into emergency tongues. That's what I would have done. Shut up! Yeah. A desperate man! <laughs> you know, give me Joel. Joel! Or Oscar, stop playing the keys. Like, I do something. But he just, no, 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 no. Little act, big door. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you hear me. And the God who raises the dead moved on his behalf. He said, Lazarus, come out. Some of you sitting around this table and giving thanks over those dead, lifeless things and allowing the Lord to minister to your heart and speaking to those circumstances from this place of faith and thanksgiving and honoring who he is and what he can do, I believe the dead will be raised. I really do. I'm seeing it. I've seen it happen in two marriages this month. I've seen two marriages that I would have considered dead. They did not need a reinvention. They did not need redefinition. These marriages needed resurrection. And your marriage may need resurrection. I have good news. Jesus still raises the dead. But it's a matter of posturing your marriage before him rightly, honoring him, honoring your spouse, and allowing Jesus to do what only he can. He raises the dead. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I told you I got one minute. I'm ready. Get your communion. Has this been helpful? Little hinge opens a big door. The door of deliverance, the door of multiplication, the door of forgiveness, the door of life. And the last door I want to share with you that Thanksgiving does, it's the door of hope. The door of hope. My favorite text about communion is found in Luke 22. It's when Jesus took communion himself and we're gonna take it. Can you put that text up, Johnny? My man. It's Luke 22, verse 14. So let's go into this moment as a a community and family. I want to invite you to the table of the Lord. I wish there was a big enough table and there were enough seats and we could just all pull up our lives and commune, but this is as good as it gets this morning, all right? If you need communion, lift your hand. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table, the apostles with him. He didn't have a styrofoam piece of bread and some grape juice. They had like the real deal. I think it was some really good wine and some really good bread. And listen to what Jesus, Jesus says this. This is so important. I want you to see this. Follow me here. 
I want this to be tattooed on your heart. I want you to be tattooed with this because this, this will get you through whatever you're going through. This, this revelation has gotten me through so much. Zoltan, this will help, bro. I love you. Officer Z. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I have earnestly desired. This is a deep desire. This is a longing within his heart. He says, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So it was a desire in his heart to sit at the table and to eat these relics with his friends, with his disciples. I've earnestly desired. I don't know, what what do you earnestly desire to do this morning? Watch the Cowboys this afternoon? You earnestly desire a bonus for Christmas? You earnestly desire... Whatever it is, think about like a true desire of your heart. So this was a true desire in the heart of the Lord to come to this table. I've earnestly desired to eat this meal with you. Knowing what he was about to go through, knowing what he was facing, there was a delight and a pleasure that he took in this meal. And I think it has everything to do with this moment right now. Hear me. I'm I'm emphasizing him at that table and his desire because this table is so important that we're approaching and we see his desire because look at what he's gonna say. Eat Passover with you before I suffer, verse 16. For I say to you, I shall never, everyone say the word never. I shall never again eat. I shall never again partake in this meal until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Here's what he's saying. I earnestly desire to eat this meal with you tonight, but I will not eat it again until. And there's an until coming where there will be a table and the Lord Jesus will come out of the sky, it will split and he will return as a king and he's coming back. Hear this, hear this, it's so, so crucial. So, so crucial. He's coming back for a bride, which is you and me. And when he comes back, he's gonna set a spread that's a supper. And at that supper, we together collectively are going to eat this with him. So listen, he who eagerly desired to eat it then, he's in heaven and he has not partaken of this meal that you and I are privileged to eat. And I believe it again provokes his desire to one day eat it with us. My point is is what was the bread and the body in the midst of what is points us to what is to come. And what is to come is that Jesus is coming back and he's gonna make things right. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and hope should fill our hearts when we eat this meal that this body and this blood, it's not a deceased man who once lived. It's a reigning king who lives in heaven who sees what you're going through. And when you approach him with thanksgiving in your heart, you get eyes to lock onto who he is, where he is, and what his will is for your life and to partake and eat of what only he can give you. And man, something infuses inside your heart. It's life, it's hope. And to use this, that if your heart's still beating and you're breathing, he ain't finished with you. And this is your source. It's your source for life, for godliness, for provision. So let's take it. 